Hello, and welcome back to The Fill. On this episode, I am joined by another old and dear friend, Hunter Haggy. Hunter has long been associated with the punk band No Advisory from the town we grew up in, but has branched out to several other punk rock groups over the years in the greater Southern California area to not only round out his abilities as a drummer, but also to truly carve out a place for himself in the punk scene of the area. After getting his first drum kit at a relatively young age, almost as if he knew that he'd be a lifer, he made it a point to show all the other kids in his fifth grade class that he was a drummer through and through, and he's still dedicated to the craft to this day. Join us as we talk about the earliest influences, our shared admiration for the late Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins, his past and present equipment, knowing when to draw a line in the sand, so to speak, with controlling bandmates, learning to play to a metronome, as well as learning the importance of not overplaying, and more. Enjoy. What's going on, Hunter? Thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. I'm actually really excited. This is my first time ever doing like a podcast by myself. I think I've done a couple, like a radio show here or there, but it was like all of my band together. So I've never done one just solo me and about the thing that I do. It's always about the full picture. You know, it's like that, you know, drummer never gets any love. So I'm glad you're doing this. So I'm stoked. Well, that's part of why I'm doing it. There's a few reasons why I'm doing it, but one of the reasons is every single time I've ever been in a band and we've done somebody's, you know, rinky-dink podcast or some kind of gig or radio show interview or something like that, I get asked maybe one or two questions and then everybody yeah. else is talking about 10 times more than me. It seems it seems to always be like like Oh, you're the guitarist. Tell me about that. I want to know everything about it. Oh, you're the singer. I love that. You're so great on stage. Oh, you're you're the you're the drummer. Uh, okay. And you're the bass player. And I'm like, okay, dude, come on. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not the most important member of the <laughs> band, bro. Like literally. <laughs> but well, well, that's just that's... us drummers talking. <laughs> Well, it's it's us drummers talking, and although, yes, it is very important to acknowledge that all members of the band are important, uh, the drummers and the bass players get, get dumped on a little too much, so. They do, man. But that's what we're here for, so. Yeah. Let's, let's start at the beginning here. Uh, maybe not the beginning beginning. We're not going to dive into, like, what hospital you were born in, but um, we're, <laughs> we're at least going you to sure start. it's a really interesting story? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, so what we'll go ahead and do is we'll start with um, your first drum kit. How did, when did you get your first drum kit? How old were you and what was it? Wow. Okay. Uh, do, I do not remember how old I was. Um, you've seen this drum kit. It was the drum kit I had for a majority of like the first 10 years of me playing. That it's time a, a rock star? Tama Rockstar, that red Tama Rockstar, um, dude. I still play it today too. Like I, the kick drum sounds really good in my garage, so I, I always play the kick drum in my garage. And then my new drum kit, uh, my Gretsch Marquee, I play the toms because they're just better. And <laughs> uh, 
and but the kick drum just sounds so good and i haven't touched it i haven't changed a single head on it it still has whatever remo power stroke 3 bullshit coded on that's on there and it's been on there for probably close to eight to ten years it's like insane and it sounds really good still but um yeah i don't remember when i got it it was uh i just remember i came home from my dad's house once and my mom was like hey honey can you grab me a hammer out of the garage and like i opened the door and (laughs) and there's a drum kit and it was my first ever drum kit and i'm like I, I was speechless. I was like, oh, my God. It was like I was like bowing to it. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> but like before that, you know, I just played on practice pads and then I had like a, a practice pad set up, you know, and uh, those kind of I still have it. It kind of sucks, but um, it may do. It may do. And then I got a drum kit and then all the neighbors really started to hate me. <laughs> Well, and I know that you keep that thing in the garage, and I know that that is a very quiet neighborhood. Yeah, it is. It is a very quiet neighborhood. Um, there's barely anything that goes on in this neighborhood. Every now and then, there's like a concert at the, the local park or whatever, but I think I'm the loudest person in the neighborhood for sure. <laughs> that's so. what. That's the job as a drummer. You have to be the loudest person in the neighborhood. It's a competition. I know. I know. I have people that, like, there's some of my neighbors, they'll, like, walk in their dog or whatever, and they're like, hey, they'll just start talking to me, and they're like, hey, I've been listening to you play drums for for years, and you've gotten so good, and I'm like, thanks, man, and and they're like, we really love it, and I'm like, I'm so happy you say that, because every time I play, I I feel like I'm annoying the shit out of everybody, (laughs) so it's really fun. Well, and let's let's be real. Like learning to play the drums is probably the worst instrument. It's it's the worst yeah. thing that you can inflict upon n- neighbors specifically, or even just people living in the house. Yeah. Because oh yeah, like unless you're just somehow naturally gifted enough to like even when you first pick up the sticks, you're like not that bad. All things considering, the the first few months to like first year is just torture. Dude, oh yeah, it's it's rough. I mean, like, for me, I didn't have a drum kit until like a year and a half, maybe two years into me playing drums. It was a while, maybe a little less. Um, so like when I got my drum kit, I could hold a beat, but I wasn't like I wasn't like rock solid. I I my fills, I probably rushed the hell out of them, and like, it just everything sounded like a jumbled mess. <laughs> and uh i'm sure i'm sure that's what it sounded like but you know now i'd like to think that not everything is a jumbled mess you know so and it probably <laughs> wasn't it yeah. probably wasn't we're always our worst critics so oh that's absolutely true but and i do i don't remember so i remember when we met but i don't remember at what like year wise how many years you'd been playing at that point but i do recall vaguely like you hadn't taken it too seriously for a while and then yeah. you kind of looped back around. Yeah, yeah. So I I started out with guitar. So like I played guitar first and um, what happened is I, I forgot where we were. I think I was like, we were at like a fair or something and there was a flyer on my mom's like windshield for music lessons at World Music. And she's like, what do you want to play? And I'm like, 
I want to play guitar or some shit. I don't know. I think that's what happened. And so I played guitar for a long time. Nah, not really. Not that long. Um, and then my guitar teacher moved away and I was like, I don't want any other guitar teacher except for that guy. But <laughs> that's when I met Ken. And, um, every time I, I, because my mom knew him. And so he was a drum teacher there. And every time I came out of my lesson, Ken was there and, uh, he was just always making me laugh. He's so funny. Um, and he's just such a good drummer. My mom always talked very highly of him. So when my guitar teacher moved away, She's like, do you want to try drum lessons with Ken? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so from then, it was fifth grade. That's when I started playing drums. I was so excited because I was so excited to play drums. And I wanted to tell everybody. So like, even though my my drum lesson was probably like an hour after I got out of school in fifth grade, I brought my drumsticks with me just to tell everybody that I was going to start playing drums. Um, and uh, I just made an excuse to open my backpack and show people like whenever I could, it was really funny. I do. I remember that vividly. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, cause I do, I still do shit like that. But, uh, I, I, I made it apparent to everybody that I was going to play drums. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go play drums. I'm cooler than you. And, uh, <laughs> so I go, it, it, I go for my first drum lesson and me and Ken hit it off. I mean, that guy's fucking amazing. I, I love the shit out of him. He is one of the best mentors I've ever had in my life. Uh, and I would be nowhere as good of a drummer as I am today if I didn't take lessons with Ken. Guaranteed. He is just He's just a great teacher. That's all I have to say about that. Gotcha. And did he... So you said world music. Did you mean to say stage one music? Or nope. did he work at, at world music before he, that? He worked at World Music before that, and then um, him and Rob, they, uh, the owner of Stage One, they kind of, like, because I don't know what happened with World Music, but they, they're like, oh, we're going to make our own music store, and then that's when they made Stage One, and then I followed over to Stage One. Well, and Stage One is still there, right? It's just not oh, in yeah. that, like, little corner yeah. store. Now it's next to where the Ross used to be. Yeah, or yeah, not the Ross. Sorry, the the um it was a Walmart farmers market or something. Yeah, yeah. You 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 had the 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 right general location. I, I knew what you were talking about, but yeah, they're over there now, and they're still doing lessons every now and then. If like I feel stuck on my my drums, on like drumming, I'll go and take a lesson with Ken, and it's it's always refreshing. He always gives me something new that I just can't play, and uh, it's really nice. But yeah. That's cool. You have that kind of connection with him where even though you're not like a regular student anymore, like you were yeah. at one time, you can just kind of like pop in every now and then and go like, Hey dude, got anything for me? And I'll teach you something that you didn't know. That's, that's yeah. the best kind of teacher. It's really cool. The last time I went in there, I was like, Ken, I'm having a hard time. Like, I feel like I'm in a rut with my drums. And he's like, I have the perfect thing for you. And he, like, whips out this Tower of Power drum beat. And I'm like, oh, my God. It was the Oakland Stroke by 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 Tower of Power. I think that's the name of the song. And, uh, dude, that shit blew my mind. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Ken, what the hell are you showing me right now? Like, it was, it was wild. But, yeah. Well, all right. He got you hooked on Tower of Power now. Yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't really listened to. I should listen to it like more Tower of Power because I know a good buddy of ours, David Weir, he likes them a lot. 
David Ware will listen to and be inspired by just about anything. Yeah, like, he will drop a snare drum on the floor, and he's like, oh my god, that was so inspiring, you know? <laughs> that guy lives and breathes drums. There's, I don't think he does anything with his days except for practice drums. Well, and whatever job he has. <laughs> that Yeah, that too. Which is drums, I think. I think he teaches. So, <laughs> so... <laughs> just proving my point <laughs> fair enough god david weir that's a name i haven't heard in a while yeah i just saw his um he, he has this like acoustic trio i think it's a trio called grover's groovers and he plays dude it's so cool they just do like it's a four piece because they have a violin player and um there's a guitar bass him and violin and they play just like generic pop songs, but they cover them, and the violin does like the vocal melody, and it's like really cool. That's kind of creative. That's cool. I'll have to talk to see if I can hit him up and talk to him about yeah. that. that sounds yeah, you should, man. Yeah. Well, all right. So you had your Tom a Rockstar kit at some point. You got started, I think, the, the brief uh, mention of in the fifth grade, you know, finding any excuse to go into the backpack to to whip out your badge of honor, the, the, the drumsticks, yeah, the drumsticks, the, uh, the, you know, yeah. the, the group of which you belonged from them from that point on. Um, yeah. you had that Tama rock star forever. you, and you mentioned it before, but I don't think we, for the, for the you know people that are listening, I don't think they understand the gravity of how long you had that kit <laughs> and like it was fitting for you because the the thing was and, and correct me if i'm wrong but a lot of like your earlier influences like you've come a long way um in like the punk scene if you will and you have a lot of like punk influences and yeah. um, some more progressive influences and things like that as the years have gone on but early on was like a lot of like john bonham dave grohl Yep. Um, probably. I don't know if this was, you know, the association with Dave Grohl or if it was just legitimately that early on. But maybe even some Taylor Hawkins that early too. Um, Taylor Hawkins was. So I discovered Nirvana first, of course, and then I discovered Foo Fighters afterwards. And naturally, like once I discovered Foo Fighters, I was like damn that taylor guy is good and so i he slowly became like one of the largest influences in drumming and life in general and uh i mean rip like that that one hit me fucking hard um but uh but yeah taylor hawkins is definitely one of the like foundations of my drumming i still whenever i'm playing drums i think about like what would taylor do in certain situations and of course i could never do that like he is he's just he's a god you know and it's uh yeah yeah he's he's just so good but i think about him all the time when i play drums yeah and and i i didn't <laughs> i i intentionally kind of segued into that a little bit obviously we yeah, don't want to turn this into a taylor hawkins memorial episode but uh, because you and I have a very shared uh, appreciation of him, which there, there's squillions of drummers in the world that did as well. But you and I are here talking, so I figured there yeah. would be a good opportunity for, for the two of us to kind of talk about that for a brief yeah. second. Yeah, at this moment, we are the two most important drummers in the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> Your words, not mine. 
<laughs> but yeah, so with, and it's funny, I remember just to, to briefly kind of riff on, on that subject though, I, I remember very distinctly where I was standing when I read the Instagram post. Yeah. Um, I was cooking dinner <laughs> with, with my, with my lovely girlfriend yeah. and in, in the house that we were, or in the room that I was renting, um, before this. And like, you know, the, whenever you see a post from a band, that's just a black page with handwriting. You're like, Oh fuck. Well, okay. So yeah, you're like, Oh fuck. But like nine times out of 10, it's just like, sorry, I had to cancel a show or something yeah. like that. So I'm just, I'm assuming like, Oh, they, somebody got sick or, uh, you know, didn't, they couldn't, didn't make it to the show on time or something like that. Like they just, they couldn't play a show. Um, and then I just word I read the words, um, the, like something to the effect of the passing of our dear Taylor Hawkins. And I like freaked out. Yeah. I was like, You're, no, uh, on just yeah, trying yeah. to pull up like as much info as I could. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I panicked a little bit when I saw that, like you did, of course. And I did the same thing. I looked for things online and, uh, of course it was true, unfortunately. And then, um, I, I remember, I think I was sitting in my living room when I found out and like, I think my mom was here and we both just kind of sat there and we're like, what the fuck, dude? Like he, relatively speaking, he's so, he was so young, you know, and, and there were so many more things he he could have done in Foo Fighters and like there's so many more inspirations he could have give I mean he's a legacy now like he has cemented him, himself in rock and roll history as one of the greatest drummers ever so uh, the inspiration is there but it's just like he's so young you know what I mean and like people like Keith Richards and Mick Jagger are still alive those guys are zombified <laughs> man like and to, I'm not saying that they should have died because obviously not but Taylor Hawkins was so young it, relatively speaking and it, it just it's such a shame yeah and it's <laughs> that that joke about keith richards and and uh and mick yeah. jagger that's that is the ongoing thing you have enough blood transfusions and things like that and you'll live <laughs> forever <laughs> Dude, I, I, apparently man they, they've they've unlocked the the secrets to immortality or something well but maybe they found the holy grail or something but oh dude good for them <laughs> But either way, yeah, that was that was a big hit. Um, and then I don't I don't think you're a big Modest Mouse fan, but the the drummer from Modest Mouse died on like New Year's Eve, and I was like at a party this year. Yeah, well, this yeah, like a few months ago. This past, no kidding. Yeah. Really. Cancer. Dude, oh my gosh, I did not know that. That sucks that he died. I'm gonna have to tell Mike that. Yeah, that was uh, it was New Year's Eve. I was like at a New Year's Eve party, and I saw that, and it kind of put a damper on the party. I was like, "This is a bummer." Yeah, yeah, dude, that really so, sucks, but, man. Dude, it's 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 been a rough. La I mean, like last year was pretty bad, but like even just the beginning of this year, like it's been rough. Just a lot of like rock legends and just music legends in general, just not kicking around. Yeah, it sucks, man. It really does. Um, I wanted to ask you something about Taylor Hawkins. So, after his death, I'm assuming you listened to the Foo Fighters discography. Yeah, most Did of you? it. Okay, okay. 
what happened if you listened to the song cold day in the sun what was your initial reaction that mm, i didn't honestly i didn't really think too much about it because i just so I, i work at a record store here in town right now um and so basically that day i just i had all their records on on vinyl so I just kind of yeah. put them on one at a time just as I was doing my job. Yeah. Uh, as, you know, the occasional, like, you know, semi-dry eye would walk in because they're just, you know, they'd walk in and yeah, look they, at me and go, really, you're going to do this to me right now? <laughs> you're like, of course I am, dude. Of course. But um, not, not re- I didn't really think too much of it. I just kind of glazed past it. I mean, I looked at it and just in light of the fact that it was basically his like first, you know, singing and drumming song in the Foo Fighters discography. But beyond that, I didn't really think too much of it. Why do you ask? Because when that song came on, like I, so I had to work the next day and it was just me alone at the office, like doing random things was Saturday work. And, um, and I, I was, I listened to the whole discography, you know, I started with, uh the color and the shape even though that wasn't really mm-hmm. him i still listen to it because uh he played most of those songs uh live and stuff and i've seen him play them live and, and all that stuff but uh and then from there on and then when i got to in your honor and a cold day in the sun came on and he started singing dude i started bawling like i couldn't control it like it was horrible because like one that's like to me, one of the best Foo Fighter songs. I love that song. And then, um, two, it's just like hearing Taylor, uh, not only in the drums, but like his, because he has a very unique voice too. Hearing his voice just really, and like the fact that it's cementing the fact that he's dead. You know, it's like, it's horrible, dude. It, it, it that one hurt me the most. And I still have a hard time listening to that song because of Taylor. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I don't, I mean, throughout the majority of the discography, obviously I, I kind of fought back tears for the most of that day, but yeah, I never, yeah. I never had any breakdown or anything like that. And there weren't any yeah. specific like tracks that stood out to me beyond just the average, like, Oh yep, that was, that was a good drum part or, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's, it's just sad that we won't ever like, I'm grateful that I at least did get to meet him a couple times. And, you know, you and I both yeah. have seen the Foo Fighters like two or three times, I think, each. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at least we have those experiences and that'll be good. And obviously they're continuing. They've booked, you know, a dozen festival shows. Dude, a plethora of, sh- of, of festivals. It's insane. I see them put it like post a new one every day. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. And, uh, I'm I'm I've been seeing lots of talk about it uh, on the internet, and I'm going to uh, cast my vote. I think uh, I think they're they're plucking Josh Freese off the bench. You think, I think so? They're they're gonna pluck him. I mean, he's a busy dude. He's got you know Vandal stuff, super and busy, Devo yeah. and Offspring and Danny Elfman, and it, he's had a bunch of stuff just since the tribute concerts, but. Um, which by the way, did you go to the LA one? No, dude, the tickets one were uh, absurdly expensive. And then <laughs> two, they, so the guitarists of a band I was previously in, uh, were both huge Foo Fighters fans. And he goes, dude, 
I, I was sitting online trying to get tickets. I was going to pay the price for the tickets, whatever it was. It was like 600 bucks a ticket or something. And, um, and uh, he's like, in seconds. They sold out in seconds. I had it in my cart, and I was filling out my information, and I went to check out, and it said they're out of stock. Usually when it's in your cart, they don't take it out unless you're t- unless it times out. That's weird. Yeah, it was crazy. Apparently it was just like wicked fast. And uh, I mean, I watched all the footage or all the important footage. And then um, the London one, obviously that one was televised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one was sick too <laughs> to see. What, one of my favorite parts is right in the beginning, Liam Gallagher comes out and he they play two Oasis songs, "Live Forever" and "Rock and Roll Star" with Dave Grohl on drums. I was that was I was super stoked to see that, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was a good it was it was you know six hours long, but yeah, that was that was a good tribute show, and I I know by association one person that went, and it actually wasn't anybody that lived in L.A. It was it was a um, co-worker of my girlfriend's got a ticket and drove all the way from Utah to California and went, holy, wow, that's, that's, I mean, I would do the same shit. Like, if, if, if I had the ticket and it was, like, held in New York, I would go to New York by any means possible, you know? Hands down. So. Yeah. But anyway, we'll, we'll kind of pivot again here really quick before we just go down that rabbit hole. So, a yeah, lot of early yeah. influence from, like, Dave Grohl, John Bonham, a little bit of Taylor Hawkins, um, who else? Who were your like some of your bigger earlier influences? So pretty early into me playing drums, I got into ska and punk rock. So there's Travis Barker. I had he was a huge. I, you you remember me being like, oh Travis Barker this, Travis Barker that. Um, <laughs> I I still I love his older stuff. I he is still one of the most incredible drummers i have the hardest times playing some of his drum pieces still to this day and i've played them a million times and so like he's he just has such a like unique way of playing drums but like as of lately um with california and nine uh and some of his hip-hop stuff he's he's taken that hip-hop influence and brought it into blink 182 and his drums sound kind of like trappy and a little more hip-hoppy and it's like that's cool um but i want to hear you play more pop punk and punk rock stuff you know and his beats kind of got a little bland in my taste to to me you know they kind of got a little bland uh but i think it's changing because the song edging came out and i think that's one of his best drum tracks he's done in a very long time because it's not it's yeah, it's not super overplayed like like some of his other stuff, and the beats are just four on the floor, man. They're just like the beats and the and the verses. They're just four on the floor, and the chorus is just that, but washing on the cymbal, and it it sounds fucking sick, dude. It just sounds so good, and uh, but but yeah, so that was he was like a huge influence back then, and uh, my drum teacher Ken is still a huge Travis Barker fan, so. I think that kind of came from Ken as well. Um, but let's see. Who, uh, Matt Cameron. I really like Matt Cameron. Basically any of the grunge drummers, except for the one from Alice in Chains. Um, <laughs> yeah. I heard a story about him where I guess he's just like a, a, a dick, and he's just really bad at keeping time. Uh, but anyways, that's neither, neither here nor there. But um, Dave Gruel, I think, has had a bigger impact on me playing drums than anybody I've listened to ever. 
Like, there are still things I listen to by Dave Gruel today that I'm like, man, this guy is just on another level, you know? And uh, I, I truly think he is. Like, the um, uh, Them Crooked Vultures album was just... It's it it's so it rocks so freaking hard, man. That album <laughs> just rocks so hard. Uh, and then obviously songs for the deaf is just an absolutely incredible album. And uh, what else did he do? He did a little bit of um, Light Clockwork, which is I th- probably one of my top three favorite albums of all time. And uh, it's up there. It's, it's a so, great one. It's so incredible. Um, but yeah, and then as far as like music goes, Queens of the Stone Age from the very beginning has been a massive influence, not only just on drums, but on like being a songwriter and, and working with others and, and play, like, playing with others. They've had an immense impact on, on my playing as well. And those are still... So most of them are still big influences on you. Just you know, some some new uh, new faces have come in just over the years. Yeah, they're still heavy in my rotation that I listen to. Like, a, I have this massive playlist that's like three or four hundred songs that I listen to, and a good chunk of it is like Foo Fighters, uh, Queens of the Stone Age, Nirvana, uh, some Soundgarden, and like a lot of that old '90s stuff, and then whatever new stuff I've been listening to. Gotcha. Well, okay. So that's, that's your, your kind of starting point. And then over the years, you've just, you know, kind of been diving even deeper into the, into the punk rock world and you joined no advisory a a number of years ago. And let's see, you've played with the afraid for a while now. Yeah. I just, uh, I just quit that band. Oh really? Yeah, I did. Um, the, the style of punk rock wasn't really, something I was enjoying anymore. I, I did at one point enjoy playing that kind of music. Um, but it's just, it's just like nonstop double time, just go as hard as you can for the whole song. And there's, to me, there was no room to, for creativity. And I was losing the spark of like, you know, playing that punk rock beat, you know? And, um, so I, I told Dakota, the singer, I was like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I got to quit. And, uh, but we had scheduled to record four songs. So I went in and I tracked these four songs and I, I practiced the shit out of a man and they sound really good. Like I hate to, I hate to my own horn, but they are definitely the best drum tracks I've laid down in a long time. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, and the drums just sounded so good. The engineer Josiah, he has a nineties premiere drum kit. I'm not sure which model, but oh man, if I get the raw drums, I'm gonna try to get the raw drums. I'm gonna send it to you because they sound incredible. Definitely do that. I'm always down to hear some good drums. Doesn't matter who they who they're made by. They're, 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 I I offered the deal. I was like, how much you want for that kit? I'll buy it off of you. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some time to make some money. I'll I'll buy that off you, dude. And he's like, I can't sell it. I'm sorry. So that's but, when he knew that he had something good. Yeah. Oh, he, he knows, <laughs> he, he knows, but, uh, yeah, man, but yeah, I just, I, I, I don't really enjoy that style of punk rock, like street punk and like hardcore punk. I'm more a fan of like melodic pop punk, something that I can do more than just like 
the fast punk rock beat too, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, kind of explore new genres with. So that's why I love playing with No Advisory because we not only are a pop punk band, but Jordan, uh, Jordan Diggs, the lead guitarist, he has an immense like classic rock background and then like a jazz background too. And so every now and then he throws me for one dude. He's like, let's try doing this instead. And it's just like, it's the weirdest sounding thing. But then when you hear it in the full song, it, it just sounds so cool. So, and it's really fun. Cause like we all just sit down together and try to make the songs as cool as possible and uh, bounce ideas back and forth. It's super fun. Gotcha. And that band, so I've, I've met Jordan a few times. Yeah. If he saw me, he probably would like the, the no, wheels he knows would start. You. Oh, he does. Okay. Yeah. He knows you. Okay. I would just, I didn't know him super well. So I would have just assumed maybe like the wheels would start turning. Like he's like, I feel like this guy looks familiar, but beyond that. Um, but yeah, so I've met Jordan a few times and I, I kind of knew that his style was a little bit less one dimensional than yeah, some other yeah. guitar players. <laughs> Yeah, if you just, if you ever just watch that dude, like, just play, well, just, you know how you just play, like, in passing, right? You're just diddling around on the guitar. You ever watch that dude play, it'll blow your freaking mind, dude. It, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. <laughs> well, that's good. You always need at least one person in the band that can do that. Yeah. I don't yeah, know why. Absolutely. You just do. <laughs> that, that reminds me of, like, um. The Vandals, I think, sweating it to the oldies. It was one of the first like live recordings that they had Josh Freeze, and uh, um, Joe is doing uh, like a voiceover in the beginning. He's like, "We're just a bunch of dudes who barely know how to play their instruments," and then it cuts to Josh Freeze, and it goes, "Except for that guy," <laughs> and it's like, because he's just, he's like the best musician in the band. It's 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 funny. Well, I can agree with that. That Josh Josh Freese is just a chameleon of a drummer. He can play almost anything you throw at him. It's dude, it's insane. Like he posted videos a little a little while ago. It was like a couple years ago now. He played drums on one of the Dwarves records. I think it was uh it was whatever band Nick Oliveri was doing. It was like I think it was a solo project. And um, it was just like heavy thrash, double bass, super fast stuff. And just hearing Josh Freeze play that, I'm like, yeah, that just solidifies even more that he's just that good of a drummer, you know? It's just insane, dude. That's how you keep the jobs flowing, man. I mean, not dude, not I that know. it's just about, you know, getting gigs and getting paid for it or whatever. But seriously, if you're going to be one of the biggest premier session drummers in pretty much the country, then... yeah. You you can't just play punk rock. You got to do jazz. You got to do metal. You got to do, bl- you know, blues. You got to do everything. Yeah, you know, I think that the one thing I haven't seen him play is jazz. I'm sure he could do it, but he oh, yeah. also, I haven't, I don't know, I haven't seen him do. Pardon me, a lot of like crazy dynamics, you know, like and that's what you need in jazz. You need to be able to play all that fast shit while playing very low and that's my problem with jazz is like my volume is like (laughs) it's just at 100 or that or 10 or whatever you want to cap it off at it's just always at 10 you know (laughs) so that's why i've never been a jazz drummer dynamic is very important and it doesn't necessarily have to just be jazz like working on 
working on your own, um, you know, volume control and, and things like that is always something that you can improve on as a drummer. And it may not be necessary per se, just kind of depending on whatever you're playing, like you're stylistically what you're most um, comfortable with. But that was just something that I always learned early on is like, if you can, if you can, um, basically beat the piss out of your drums and, you know, have that volume and that aggression and then turn right around and do like the coolest, quietest little jazz beat and be able to self-fluctuate and, and, you know, attenuate your volume accordingly. That's always a good power to have. Yeah, that that shows like the good drummers from the better drummers. You know, that's what like divides those two groups. I feel. Yeah, and that's it's definitely a hard lesson to learn. It's and it's yeah. it's a hard lesson to learn, and it takes time and discipline. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's my problem. I don't have discipline. <laughs> like I, I'm just I'm like, I, because like I, I've been playing the music I've been playing for a long time. Like I've been in no advisory for almost 10 years. And Dang. so like, I, I know it's crazy, right? Um, I, I joined my junior year of high school and now I'm 25. So like, I've been in the band for a long time, but, uh, I guess relatively speaking, but, um, yeah, playing in no advisory and playing punk rock and ska music for as long as I have volume is just always go, 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 you know? It's always at a at a ten, so it's it's something that's it's like a curse. It's like the negative side to punk rock music. A little bit, generally speaking, but you know what? If it works for you, it works for you. That's all that matters. Yeah. So yeah. But okay, so you're not really doing the afraid. Um, you're still doing no advisory. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit of a quick backtrack here. What was your first band? Was it was it Honest Liars or what? Did you have a band before that? <laughs> um so yes it was honest liars um but it had there's an iteration prior to me tom and colton so there's an iteration where we called it nuke your neighbors and i still yeah it's a cool name dude i like that name um i think it's a video game from the 90s we looked it up and it was like we're because we we all collectively sat together it was me my buddy tanner butera who played guitar uh, Colton on bass, Colton Dunn, um, and that was it. It was us three, and uh, we all collectively sat together. And we're like, dude, Nuclear Neighbors is a really cool band name, but it almost sounds a little too good to be true. So we look it up online, and it's some video game or something like that. So, but we're like, eh, screw it. We we kept it anyways, but we never ended up doing anything. Um, unfortunately like we we just jammed and had fun and learned cover did cover songs together very poorly i might add um gotta start somewhere so yeah yeah you have to but uh and then we did the stage one was doing this like being a rock and roll band thing and that's where i met tom where they like get a bunch of the kids doing lessons and they teach him how to be in a band and how to work with others and we learned a couple songs and uh tom was in that tom wood and uh which i now realize he's one of the dudes i've been playing music with the longest um that's crazy wow we we played like sweet child of mine paranoid and tighten up by the black keys we played those three songs together and we really hit it off it was me colton and him doing that 
and so we're like, hey, we need a singer for our band, and Tom was singing uh, during the recital thing that we did, and he's like, yeah, I'll be in your band. I was like, cool, we didn't ask you, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We did ask him to be in the band, and um, from that point on, we were honest liars, and we had a couple other people come in and out of the band, um, like Ian Prado or uh, Cameron Harmon, and then Tanner left. We kicked him out of the band a little after we got Tom. And then from then on, we were a three-piece. So it was just me, Tom, and Colton. And we did our one EP. And uh, I'm still, if I knew where I could listen to that, I would listen to it to this day. But I don't know where it's at. Oh, it might be on Bandcamp. Maybe honestliars.honestliars.bandcamp.com. Go check us out. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, man, poorly played drums, not to a click, and very interesting guitar and bass sounds. Let's just put it that way. And wasn't it like you like won a? It was I? I think I remember because I heard this yes. story. You like won studio time, and you just you just crammed it into that free time that you got. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't want to pay for a single bit of it and um you know because it's expensive and uh we're kids <laughs> so we won six hours of free studio time at proving ground records and thinking about that now that's enough to maybe do a couple drum tracks like that's it that's it and we tracked five songs live and did vocals for five songs and did mixing for five songs in five hours or six hours. Dude, it was, it was, it was insane. And, um, yeah, man, it was crazy. It was, yeah. Kurt PR, I think his name, I think that's his name. Something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I know his first name is Kurt, but his last name is, I forget it. But, um, the dude's super cool. He's really good at his job. He made us sound decent in the time that he was given and for the musicianship that was given to him so like i'm still like stoked on how it came out like looking back on it like five hours is not enough time at all to do anything even to do one song to be honest like it's it's a it takes a long time and we got our mixes back and there were no mixing notes we're like cool and we just put it on a (laughs) cd and released it that was our that was the extent of honest liars recording in the studio and it yeah it's a it was it was a trip man it was crazy that we were able to do that but uh yeah it was sick i remember going into the studio and he he uh i set i set up my drums do you remember how i had my drums set up during the honest liars days mm-hmm. i had two ride cymbals that i used as rides and then i had um uh, uh Oh, what's it called? I had four crash cymbals, a china, and two snares, and then my a high tom, floor tom, and kick, dude. I I watched like one video of Terry Bazio playing, and I was like, I need to be like him. <laughs> so like, I and I remember him miking up my drum kit, and he goes, I'm gonna have to bust out another overhead mic, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, not even thinking about like what like thinking about it later it's just so funny dude you're not even thinking about the hell you're putting him through (laughs) with every piece of drum equipment 
I uh, like looking back at it. I'm I was back then. I was probably an engineer's worst nightmare. Like this young kid who doesn't play to a metronome comes walking into the studio with this drum kit that's that has more things on it that he uses. It was it was great, dude. It was a good time. Well, at least you have fond memories of that time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all it was matters. fun, dude. And maybe even maybe even the final product if you can find it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on Bandcamp somewhere. I'm pretty sure it's there. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I so I always that was the first thing I associated with you. I wasn't sure if that was your first band. Yeah. Um, and I even saw you guys play with. It was when you had Ian. It was a four piece. So it was you. Oh, um, the Guitar Merchant show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I went. Okay. I went. I'm pretty sure I went with you to that one. But I. So yeah, I went to that one, um, and then I don't know what happened with that band. If you want to elaborate, you can. But I, it sounds like it just kind of fizzled out over time. Like you just kind of stopped playing together. Yeah. So there. Um, after we had done the EP, we had a new group of songs that we wanted to start working on and and you know record and we wanted to continue playing shows with those new songs. And as we're writing the songs, we were just running into disagreement upon disagreement upon disagreement about how the song should go. Like it was, it, we all, all three of, I mean, Colton kind of, he's one of those dudes who's like, uh, I'll play whatever. Yeah. yeah. He, he just happened. He was like the best musician in the band. And he's just like, I'll play whatever, you know, I don't care. I just want to play music. And I'm like, cool. It was mainly between me and Tom. I'm like, no, Tom, this, the song could go, should go like this. And he's like, no, Hunter, the song should go like this. And from then on, we kind of just slowly stopped practicing. And then um, there was one time, until we were practicing like once a month, basically. And uh, there was one time where we had a flood in the garage when uh, we were in like New York or something. And I remember. Roommate, yeah, you remember this. And Tom stored all of his stuff here, mm-hmm. and um, so every so our washer floods, and our roommate at the time caught it, and he picked all the stuff up and brought it in the living room. So nothing was damaged. There, there was nothing that was damaged, which was great. But from then on, Tom was like, "Yeah, no." He came and picked up all of his stuff. It was the PA, the two PA speakers, his guitar amp, his guitars, his bass amp, because Colton was using it, and then, like, every other little thing. And from then on, we kind of just stopped playing together, And um, which I think at some point, even if that flood didn't happen, we probably would have ended anyways because the band was just kind of – it was just getting a little stale. Or so that's how I, I felt about it, I guess. And then um, – but yeah, and then like me and Tom like still jam together a lot. Like after that, like like about a, a year went by and we like jammed still and stuff. And then, uh, but yeah, that was the end. That was about the end of that band. It was really just we kind of just stopped playing together. It, there wasn't anything like crazy dramatic that happened or whatever. So I I remember the flood. I, I, it's funny. Yeah. I forgot about it until the you, great flood of yeah. I, I, the great flood of 2011 or whatever the whenever the fuck it was. <laughs> I I remember the flood. Um, 
only after you mentioned it because I, I'd forgotten about it. But then when the minute you said we had a flood, I, I just it, it clicked, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I remember that. And I remember you guys had a big falling out with with Tom um, after that because um, I had reconnected with him because I went to middle school with him. And we started fiddle farting around and we did like that little modern age EP. Yeah. Um, and it was just the two of us when we recorded it, I did the drums and then he did everything else. And then when we were like, went to play shows, he was like, Oh, well we'll get Colton. And I was like, uh, okay. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a good bass player. Sure. And we played a few shows and we, we tried a couple different guitar players as like a second guitar player. Yeah. But if I remember correctly, there was maybe one or two shows where it was just the three of us. And I think you went to one. I went to I went to a few of them, yeah. I didn't say this because I was way too much of a little egotistical bastard back then. <laughs> but in my mind, I was I felt really bad because really? I did not because I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm drumming circles around," but like I'm basically just it's your old band. It was Dude, it, it was Honest Liars 2.0. It was like Tom wanted to continue writing songs and continue playing music as a, any musician does. And um, I mean, I took no offense to it because, like, I think I was doing other things, and uh, you were. yeah, I was still, you I was still on. like, yeah, I had moved on. So, and I, I like, I wasn't jealous. Um, and I think Modern Age was pretty good. Like, you guys put on a good show, and you guys had Thomas Sanchez as one of your you're like lead guitarists and um i fucking love watching that dude play on stage he's so he's so so much fun to watch on stage but um that yeah you guys yeah yeah you guys put on a great show and i was like this is sick dude and i mean colton is still to this day like one of he's my one of my best friends so he's like a brother to me and um so i was and so so is tom like tom is a really good friend of mine as well and uh and you as well holy crap and thomas and so like all of you guys together it was just like all of my friends in the music scene at the time i was like of course i'm gonna go see this band it's like it's like whatever like i know me and tom kind of disagreed a lot on honest liars but i wasn't gonna let that stop me from seeing a good band you know it's like so i mean you, i know it's it's too too late to change it but you probably you shouldn't have felt um uh wait what'd you say you felt it was like I just felt bad. I like I. I... Oh no! You shouldn't. You shouldn't have felt bad. I, modern age was something. It, I mean, it was honest liars, but like a different twist on it. And it was like he, he. It was different songs, and like it had nothing to do with me, at least. And to be honest, the songs that the the tra- drum tracks that you did were way better than what I could do at the time. Well, I appreciate the kind compliment. Um, there was actually one or two tracks that we did do that I don't. Oh, you did it! You did alone. We did alone, and then we yeah. didn't end up recording it. But there was a song that sounded a lot like Threes and Sevens by Queens of the Stone Age that we did on. We did that too, and I tr- I kept it relatively accurate to the way you played it because I'd seen you play it a few times. Yeah, um, I did it slightly different, but for the most part, I kept it the same. The alone part was totally different, though. I, I did that one differently. Yeah, the yeah the the I remember seeing alone the first time. I'm like, 
what'd you guys do to this song? <laughs> I was like, it, it just like, it threw me for a loop. I was like, uh, cause I was playing along to it in my head and then all of a sudden something didn't happen. I'm like, what the, <laughs> but it was cool. It was cool. Cause like, uh, whenever I see a band like cover a song, I like to see it when they change it. And, um, it was really cool to see like a new take on those songs. And to, I love seeing different drummers perspectives on my parts as well. Like, uh, I think Simon Beck, the drummer for Cherry Domingo, he's played drums on a couple No Advisory songs, like, every now, like, back when we played a lot together. And it's really, it's really cool to see him play the songs that, like, I helped write and to hear his, like, take on it. Because he's also an incredible punk rock drummer and an incredible drummer in general. And I, I just, I love watching, like, other people play my parts, you know. Does that make sense? It does. It's it's like a really weird form of like flattery, yeah. In a way, yeah. And not that it, that's what it's designed to be, but like it, it does kind of end up giving you that like little bit of satisfaction of like, oh, he he cared as much as to like to try and play my part. He could have yeah. just totally changed it up and did nothing like yeah. what I did, you know. So, yeah. Gotcha. But yeah, that's okay. That's that's an interesting story. And then as far as um, like the end of um, the Honest Liars thing and then the the foray of what became the modern age or basically as you call it and I'll kind of agree with you it was just Honest Liars 2.0 yeah um, and not even in the sense that it was like that like a hell of a lot better but just different like it was just different yeah it was different musicians I mean adding Thomas to the Thomas Sanchez to the band instantly makes the band like way different and then adding you to the band because I back then I was like, yeah, I'm gonna fit as many notes as I can into one bar. And you're like, you're you're like a jazz drummer playing rock music, and it was really cool to see that, you know. And it, you you played things way differently than I did, so it was just it was cool to see that. Yeah, and I was I was way too hard on you back in the day. that's all right man i probably wouldn't be as good of a drummer as i am now if i didn't have people like you being hard on me well i just i hope you know that i was i i I tried to write it off at a very young age like oh i'm just that's just my personality huh but like it was just (laughs) a very polite way of saying i'm kind of a little chode so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so no i had and you know i'm i'm glad that you took and it wasn't just me i'm sure there were other people that might have been a little bit hard on you unfortunately not that that's a cool thing to do but just you know it's good to kind of draw a little bit of influence if people are a little bit critical of your performances and your abilities and things like that but i've over time I, i don't really listen to the kind of music that you play and so subsequently i don't hear it a lot but every now and then, like when No Advisor would put something out, I would at least play like 30 seconds or a minute or so of something just to like see what it sounded like and see if it was maybe something I could vibe with or see if something stood out to me to just kind of go, oh, oh, there's some taste in there or something like that. Yeah. Um, and every single time it would happen, whether it was, you know, 20, let's say I think you joined in 2014, 2015, maybe. Uh, 2015. It was okay. the year before I graduated, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you joined in like 2015-ish. So like whether it was like the first thing you put out, summer like 2015, 2016, something like that, or like the last thing you put out, which was, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe like two or three years ago? Uh, or has there been something I, since? 
I let me look. Um, I believe we put out our third album in 2021. Okay, so it was about two years ago then. Yeah. Yeah, 2021. Yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, I think I played like the f- like 30 seconds or a minute of the first song, and from the logical progression of of how that music has come and, and gone. Um, and your abilities, you've become an incredible drummer. You Thanks, hold it down. You're you're no longer doing the fit so many notes into one given second. No, you're, no, I'm not. Not, even, not anymore. So, or or at least not like distastefully. You might do it a little bit, but you pull, you land it. That's the important thing. Yeah, yeah. I've I've definitely learned to like dial it back, and I think the biggest thing that has changed from when we were hanging out a lot back in like high school and like a little after high school is now I'm playing to a click. Like all every, everything I'm doing is I'm playing to a metronome and it's crazy. Like you have so many people tell you like Hunter play to a metronome and it'll make you so much better of a drummer. I'm like, yeah, fuck off. And then like, <laughs> I finally do play to a metronome. I'm like so much better and it's like noticeably better. But, um, if you say you only listen to 30 seconds of the first song, can I give you a couple recommendations of songs to listen to all the way through? Sure. Uh, for the drums? All right. It's gonna be, they're both... I think I have two songs I want you to listen to. Um, and the, to the listeners at home as well, look us up and listen to our new album, Almost Made It. It came out in 2021. I guess it's not that new, but... Um, <laughs> okay, it's I got three songs newest yeah there you go i have three songs i want you to listen to that's ghost of wyoming father time and the perilous plot of the brave and belittled bear devil nice so the per the perilous plot of the brave and belittled bear devil i i do have a couple moments where i try to fit as many as as many notes as i can inside of a bar but it sounds cool all right it sounds cool um, and if you land it, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. I land it. I land it for sure. So, um, or else it wouldn't be on the album. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it sounds cool. I've become so much better. And I, I can acknowledge that because I started playing to a click. Well, okay. Playing to a click has been your savior, your savior over the years, if you will. It it's... has. It has. For sure. Well, that's good. Not everybody needs to play to a click, but I would definitely recommend that even if, so like, not to toot my own horn here, but I always felt like I had a decent internal clock. Not perfect. You do. You you do. I, I like seeing you play in like Casanova that in modern, modern age and coming from the jazz background that you do, your internal clock is, is better than most. All uh, I do have to say. Well, again, I, I, I will take the kind compliment, so thank you. But Yeah, man. So even having a decent internal clock, it's always good to play along to a, a click every now and then just to, if anything, just to instill that in your brain a little bit. Like yeah. if your oh, clock yeah. needs a little bit of recalibration or something, you do that enough times in a row and it'll kind of you know fiddle with your, your internal clock just naturally, at least in my experience. It's done that to me too, because like you know, live I don't play to a click, and we've me and Jordan uh, mainly have discussed this, and we're like, we kind of like when a song starts out at one tempo and then it kind of speeds up throughout. We kind of like that, and like speeds up throughout the song, and by the end we're playing a fucking blast beat. Um, 
we 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 we've come to terms with like we're like yeah that's kind of how no advisory sounds now and like it it feels a little more natural you know and um so we don't play with a click uh live but like when i practice at home i'm always playing to a click and obviously in the studio we play to a click uh so my internal clock as well has gotten better it's not amazing don't get me wrong it's by no means amazing <laughs> but uh it's definitely gotten a lot better just from playing something as simple as a four on the floor to a to a metronome well and like i said nobody's internal clock is perfect so even yeah. just improvements to get it within about you know five to ten bpm is 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 always a good yeah. thing um, yeah. that's manageable you can work with that so you you're still with no advisory though correct yep yeah do you have any music coming out uh, or that you're working so we, on yes so we have been slowly painstakingly sweating bleeding <laughs> bruising ourselves um chopping off limbs actually with to write these songs um we've been going through a lot man to write these songs uh, we we get a free rehearsal space it, it's it's brutal it's so it's it's horrible um no i'm just kidding uh it's really fun uh we've been working on our fourth album and um it's different it definitely like when you listen to no advisory like back then you know we, we used to be like a, a pop punk on the ver on like the border of being a skate punk band and um and we still have we still have a lot of that fast stuff uh but you know i i don't know i i, I didn't mention this but like i'm kind of getting bored of punk rock and i'm trying to find new and creative genres to listen to I'm not saying that i don't love punk rock because i do and punk rock has been a huge part of my life but i just want to do something a little more with my drums and playing with jordan and mike we all agree the same thing we're like yeah we gotta um play uh new creative styles of music and with jordan he's a jazz player and a classic rock guy he's always throwing in something that's not punk rock into a punk rock song and it sounds really cool um yeah so it's a uh, it's pretty sweet, and that, that's primarily how we write a song. Somebody comes with like a riff or like a song idea. Maybe we come with a full song written, and then we all learn it, and then we play it a bunch of times, and then like, what if we do this here? And then what if we add like these little accents and syncopation here, and it sounds... It just, oh, and then over the course of us playing it a million times, it turns into what we now call a no advisory song. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's... It's funny the way that you're saying that and just the kind of tone of your voice um, and, and me personally knowing your, your past experiences with, with working with different songwriters and playing in different bands and things like that. I know that that was almost never the dynamic. It was almost like one person calling the shots and then like yeah. everybody else just kind of like stays in their lane and they're in charge of their instrument and that's it kind of thing. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um that uh, a majority of the bands I've been in um, have been like that, but with this group of guys, you know, us four, we we have like a very communal approach to songwriting, and um, writing songs with other groups is now no longer as fun as it is with no advisory, because most of the time, you know, people don't work like we do, a lot of the time, 
that's how it was in the afraid it's like yeah i have free i have rain over the drums right but if i'm like hey uh let's try this part here and let's try like something like this it's like well I, let's keep it the way we had it you know or it's it, you, there's been a lot of times when people try to tell me what to play and it's like i get it if it's your song but if it's not your song and i wrote the drums for it like that's my job <laughs> you know i don't know if you've ever had somebody do that to you but they're like you're because like you're the professional drummer you know what i mean i've been playing drums for close to 15 years so it's like I know, it sounds really egotistical of me but it's it, it just it's the one thing playing in a band that irks me the most is when people are like no play the beat like this yeah i towards the end of my time in um foxglove that's kind of what it was like um not so hardcore to the point where they told me i needed to play a certain way but like they started kind of hedging in on the idea writing of the drum parts and i was not allowed to reciprocate that on the other instruments yeah yeah exactly and that's not cool you know so that's a, a big pet peeve of mine it can it's very easy to get bothered by that and not to slight you know i give that little tidbit of information about my time in that foxglove band and i don't want it to sound like that was what it was always like or that i have any disdain for any of those members or that it was a terrible time or anything like that it was there was a lot of good times and camaraderie and i look back very fondly on the music we made and stuff like that but it was just towards the end there was those little things that much like you it, it just kind of began to peeve me so yeah i get it yeah well all right dude cool so you got some new no advisory stuff that you're working on at least um any idea of like a release date or is it still so tentative no that... no 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 we, we uh we were shooting for this year but by how long it's taken us to write these songs it's gonna be a little while i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna say it's gonna be a little while unfortunately because i want to see it released as well i want to get in the studio now and i want to record songs but like we have like a few songs ready so it's like not it's not doing good but uh yeah we're we're trudging along um hopefully pretty soon sooner rather than later maybe talk to the guys about setting a release date so that way you can light the fire and then yeah. hopefully maybe expedite the songwriting process that's, that's <laughs> not a bad idea to be honest well you just got to clear it with the other three guys yeah but, but, all right cool so you got that now, I want to take, before we kind of wind this down here, I do want to take a quick pivot back sure. to equipment. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. So you had the Tama Rockstar. You had yep. the thing forever. You still have it. It just yep. doesn't really see a whole lot of the light of day. Yeah. Um, which, if I remember correctly, actually, I wanted to say this earlier. I'm pretty sure you and I changed the heads on that thing. Once. Yes, while we, it, like, not long after we met, because I think your yeah. mom drove us down to Guitar Center, and we bought heads, Yeah, and we came back, and we, like, fiddle-farted around with that. Yeah. That was so the yes, they, one and only time those heads have been changed. Exactly. I was going to say, so they have been changed. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but, okay, so you have that, and it still kind of sees the light of the day, but for the most part, you're on your Gretsch marquee. Yeah. 
you've had that for I think six or seven years, right? 2016. Around then, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that sounds about right in my mind. I just remember you posted it, and, and I, honestly, you might have even texted me like, "Dude, look at my new drum kit." Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, I remember your reaction. You're like, "How'd you get that?" <laughs> <laughs> it was well funny. because much much like you back in that day, I was not making a lot of money. So in my eyes, it was what new drum kit? Absurd. <laughs> yeah, that one was a gift. So it was like. Yeah, it was a gift from it was a gift from your mom and your drum teacher though, wasn't it? Uh, not my drum teacher. It's been like a drumming mentor in my life, but he wasn't my teacher. He is the one who bought me my Tama Rockstar, and he's just has bought me a lot of gear over the over the years, and I've seen his band play ever since I was like a toddler, and uh, so I've seen him play drums, and he I've always looked up to him as a drummer because he is an incredible drummer. And uh, I've always just been like, man, I see him play on these big stages in front of a bunch of people. I'm like, I want to do that. Like, that's fun. And like, now I've done that. It's super cool. So, but uh, yeah, I have my Gretsch Marquee. Um, and I've had that thing for a long time now. And it's still kicking ass. I've brought it on tour. It's been across the country with me and back. And uh, it's still in one piece. Thank God. <laughs> that's good. And I think so for a while you were you were a mix matched or a mismatched guy in terms of symbols like you had a, a you know Peisty Crash yeah yeah Sabian yeah. Ride and and those old well they weren't old but those Minel um, extra dry like hi hats or that, whatever yeah that they got for seventy five bucks at a pawn shop which that <laughs> I was jealous of that yeah. I was jealous of I think any drummer should be jealous about that that was out of all like my pawn ship trips that is the greatest find ever it's oh, just yeah. incredible it's incredible and i i broke him <laughs> well over time it happens unfortunately yeah so and yeah for reference those so he got them for 75 dollars at a pawn shop those were like high 400 dollar yeah. low low 500 dollar high hats at the time i think they're like 450 mm-hmm. something dollars and they weren't heavily used they had maybe some stick marks on it but they were clean yeah, they're real clean, dude. And I that's why I saw them and like I knew what I was looking at and I go, "Hey, how much for those?" And he goes, oh, "They're half off right now." And so I was like, "So how much?" He's like, eh, "$75." And I'm like, "You I I calmly was like, "Cool." And then I went home and I was like, "Mom, you're never going to believe this." And I started freaking out. I was like, "I need 75 bucks immediately." And so I got 75 bucks from my mom and uh I convinced her to give me $75 and I said, <laughs> I said, mom, you're never going to believe this. This is, this is going to change the career, the path of me playing drums. It's going to make me so good. And I got it. It didn't make me any better. It just made my hi-hat sound better. That's it. <laughs> With how heavily hi-hats get used, that's important. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The hi-hat and the ride are the most, those are the most heavily used symbols in any setup, regardless of who you talk to. So those make a difference. Hi-hat's more than ride, but both of them are very important. Yeah, because while you're playing your ride, you're playing your hi-hat if you're keeping count. Well, it's always good to have a pair of hi-hats that sound good when you hit them with a stick, whether it's you know open or closed, and also that a good pair of hi-hats that have a good foot chick, which those did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did, dude. Oh, man. I was jealous of those, hands down. But So now, now you're with Saluda, correct? Uh, yes, I have um, one Saluda symbol, 
and it sounds great. The only problem with it right now is it's oxidizing. Never seen that happen with a symbol. It has like this blue streak on it, and it's like like it's it's actually oxidizing. It still sounds great. It still cuts through, and that's really all I want. I want it to cut through to emphasize a part change or something. But um, every now and then, I like wash real hard on it. But um, that's mainly what I use my ride for. But that's my only salute symbol right now. Really, I thought you had a whole set. I had a my so I had I had that 18 inch fast crash and then I had a 20 inch crash ride that I cracked which don't ask me how I cracked a crash ride you crack it like any other symbol it just happens yeah yeah um so uh yeah I was really bummed when that happened and because I really enjoyed that symbol it sounded pretty good and it it cut through, which is mainly what I want. Like the ride part cut through, the bell cut through, and then the crash cut through, of course. But now I'm playing a 21-inch Zildjian Sweet Ride. Nice. For a crash? Yep. Nice. <laughs> it's, That's a hefty it's, boy. Dude, it's sick. It's my crash ride. So, like, I do ride on it, but I'm crashing on it more than I am riding. I mean, that thing just sounds great either way. Like, I, I remember, because I was going in to record this album, almost made it from 2021, the No Advisory album, go look us up, we, I was like, I need a new symbol immediately, like, I I went in, I had, I told the dude, I was like, I cracked my ride symbol, I have a recording session today, get me something, and he's like, okay, well, let's go take a look at some symbols, you know how they are at Guitar Center, and, um, I worked there, I know. Oh, yeah, you know, you know, and, uh, we, we were going through, and he's like, he's like pointing out like Zildjian K customs and like Peisty, <laughs> like these real like pingy sounding rides. And I'm like, I need to be able to crash on it too. And he goes, say no more. And uh, <laughs> he like directs me over to this sweet ride and I start playing on it. And I'm like, I, I, I'm like, Oh, Oh my, like it was just tickling every fancy I had. <laughs> and um, I was like, I'll take it. Like I, I, I think I'd crash it once and play it like, played the ride part of it and bell like a few times i was like that's this is it this is this is what i want and to this day it's like the best symbol i've i've ever had well the the sweet rides both of them the the 21 and the 23 which they came out with a few years ago both of those are like industry standards everybody's everybody either has one or has used one at some point myself included so i can agree (laughs) yeah they're they're incredible and like it just does everything that I want to do, you know? It's like, it, it cuts through, but sounds great. And then, like, if I just want to crash on it, it sounds great as just, like, a straight-up crash if I'm not, like, washing on it. It has a really good ride tone, and it has a really good bell tone. It just does everything I want to do. And it plays all the music I want to do, and uh, it's just, it's perfect. And it sounds super good in, like, melodic pieces. and Oh, man, it's just beautiful. It's a great ride. It is owed to the ode to the Zildjian A Sweet Ride 21 inch. <laughs> oh man, oh man, Zildjian, you did a good job. They hit it out the park. They, they've hit they've hit it out the park with a few with a More few than symbols. A few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New beat hi hats so. classic. Oh dude, that's what I'm rocking. Really? I'm yeah, I'm rocking new beats. And 14 they're, or they're 15? 14. I want to get 15s. I didn't think about getting them in new beats, but I think I might. That'd be super sick, um, but uh, I, I definitely want to upgrade to 15s eventually. 
Do you remember at all the one time that you, when No Advisory was, I think you were on tour and you stopped into St. George briefly and you sat down in my kit for like a minute. You just, you had to go, but you were just, you sat down for a second. Do you remember those hi-hats at all? No. Okay. So I have. And, and I liked them a lot, right? I think, I don't remember, but I just, I'm curious because they were, they are, I still have them, the 14 inch, um, a avidus symbols not the a like the a series but the a avidus like the recreation of like the 50s through the 70s symbols yeah um and i would say try those out because the the 14s sound good but the 15s are chef's kiss yeah i i think i like i said i want to definitely go up to to 15s i might check those out because uh, they're still super like bright and chirpy right Kind of. They're a really weird mix between bright and dark. It's really hard to describe. <laughs> I'll have to check them out um, for sure. That sounds sick because I, I want to upgrade my hi-hats and then I want to get... I'm not sure for the crashes, but I want to keep the 18, just get a new one because it's oxidizing. <laughs> and then I want to get a 19 for my where I have my 17 right now on the opposite end of the kit for something that's not as low as the 21 that I can still wash on pretty hard and have like a really big explosive sound to it as well. So I got to figure that out. Yeah, exactly. That you summed it up with those words alone. It's it's, you got to figure it out with symbols and with drum tuning and the heads you use and, and all that stuff. It is just fiddle farting around with as much as you can get your hands on and finding what you like. Yep. Yeah. Well, all right, cool, dude. You're you're punting your way through whatever you can get your hands on and whatever you can afford, and for the most part, pretty good equipment. And then you're still rocking that Gretsch. And then, on a very quick note, snare drums. I know you don't use the Gretsch Marquee snare if it even came with one. It it did, unfortunately. I wish I, I wish it did. I would have liked to have that snare drum, but um, uh, I actually pulled them out. I specifically because I knew we were going to talk about gear. I wanted to pull out my snare drums. So I have them right here. Wow. <laughs> I have, yeah, uh, I came prepared. This is a Ludwig. It's a 1980s Ludwig uh, Superphonic. I have no idea. It was gifted to or me. It's like a brass phonic because it's brass a brass phonic. snare drum. Yeah, yeah. And um, this is the best sounding snare drum I have. Um, it's incredible. And I wish I could use it more, but the clutch kind of just over, like if I tighten it, I haven't tightened as much as I can. And uh, every after every hit, it, the, the snare wires just kind of hang lower and lower. And I've replaced the clutch twice on it, and I have spare clutches, and uh, it doesn't fix it. So I'm really bummed because that is the best sounding snare drum I own. Uh, it's just, it's a freaking cannon. Like you just hit it and it's just whew, and it just lights up the room. It's amazing. Yeah. And for the the audio listeners, that's a I believe a f uh, it's fourteen inch diameter, five inch depth. I five five by five or uh, sorry five and a half. Oh, it's a five and a half. Yeah. Right. Oh, this no, it's a five. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, fourteen by five, like brass phonic. It's um, it looks just like the super phonic, but it's made of brass. Yeah. Super cool. Love it. Uh, it's and no and no chrome plating. It's just brass. Yeah, it's uh, definitely. 
and it, it's vintage. It, like I said, it's from somewhere in the eighties, I think. Um, Maybe I'm, the nineties, but yeah, eighties yeah, or nineties. Yeah, it's eighties or nineties. Um, it's amazing. I I don't have a bad thing to say about that snare drum. Uh, as far as what I'm using now, I have two snare drums that I cycle through. This is the one I like more. This is a Yamaha recording custom, uh, six and a half by 14. Um, I rock the coded dot on it, Remo coded dot. And uh, I have this one kind of lower, like medium to low tuned. And um, I ha oh, I have the big old fatty snare wires on the back of it. It's like 42 strand or whatever it is. I saw John Bonham do it, so I was like, I'm going to do it. Uh, <laughs> and I've done that with all my snares ever since, except for my next one. But um, that is my favorite snare drum that I play. It is incredible. It sounds... It's not as loud as my Ludwig, unfortunately. I would like it to be. But it has more tonal depth, in my opinion. So like, I can get really nice lower tones out of it and just with more body... And so, like, if I'm doing something that has a little bit more, like, groove in it, I can get, like, a groovier-sounding snare. I can also tune the shit out, like, just crank it up as high as I can, and it'll sound incredible as well. And it, so far, it has not let me down, and it just it just sounds great. I never put any muffling on it, no matter what room I'm in. I just let it sing, like, and it just it works every time. Um, and that one's, uh, I think, so it's a six and a half, uh, 14 by six and a half recording custom Yamaha. And I, it looks like brushed brass. Yeah, it's brushed for sure. Um, bra I, brass for sure. Yeah. And it, it just, it's incredible, man. It sounds really good through, um, through a mic as well. It sounds incredible through a mic. Uh, well, it is the recording custom, so I would hope so. Yeah. But uh, yeah, me too. Uh, but yeah, that one's pretty sick. I love that one. And then this is my, like, baby. This is like my, oh, it's got a loose nut in it. But, uh, this is a five and a half, five and a half by 14, uh, DW Collector Series. Nice. And it's maple, right? Maple. It's the cross grain as well. So, like, it's got the grain facing up and then grain horizontal and then a uh, diagonal one and the dude's like oh the dude the guitar center is like oh yeah it makes the snare drum pop a lot more and i'm like okay sure <laughs> uh, i'm sure it does but um th i i've always played metal snare drums this is the first wood snare drum i've gotten and uh it's definitely more like precise mm -hmm. than my metal snare drums but i don't enjoy it as much like if is this is what i played in the afraid because there's a lot of crazy uh snare things i had to do and it just sounds way more precise and and um agile if that's a word a drummer can use to describe a snare drum i uh, get what you mean wood snare drums just generally like characteristically wood snare drums can either be your worst enemy or your best friend and it kind of just depends on like climate and the wood content and just, there's so many factors that come into play but with the dw stuff they put so much care into them that it almost doesn't matter <laughs> yeah no dude the the snare it's it, i mean it sounds incredible don't get me wrong it's it's oh what am i, what am I running on it too uh, i'm running the p77 
I saw Josh Freeze playing it once, and uh, I was like, I'm gonna play it now. Um, <laughs> and I still have the DW snare bottom on it. Um, gotcha. But uh, and then I have the standard Pure Sound wires on it. But uh, yeah, it sounds really good, man. Like same thing. I never muffle it. Uh, actually, I did in the studio, but live i never put any type of dampening on it if i'm sitting in my my studio i'm never putting any dampening on it ever i i tend to do that with all my snares i just let them sing but uh it's it sounds great and like if i'm doing a lot of crazy intricate snare stuff you hear each note more clearly and um, they announce it enunciate themselves more so it's pretty pretty good for that and then it just sounds better with ghost notes as well and uh so yeah it's sweet though it's definitely the uh probably second most expensive snare drum i have gotcha and you're definitely doing something that's a little less common where you're putting if like little to no muffling like i know you said you you muffled the the dw1 in the studio but you're just letting them sing and that's not a common thing most people put it like at least one square moon gel on there or a remo ring or something i can't stand i like live i i have a hard time doing that because like part of my drum sound and what i do in all my bands is like i hit the snare hard and that every time like i go somewhere the the, the sound guy's like bro I had, I had to turn the the mic off on your snare it was that loud i'm like thanks dude and <laughs> so part of my drum sound is like letting that snare drum sing and i'd much prefer it to get a full tonal voice even if like i mean if it, have, if it has a really bad like overtone I'll, I'll tune it out but i like to get that ring afterwards because it's like it adds a little more fullness to my drum sound mm -hmm. and uh i mean no one's ever told me bro put muffling on that. that sounds like shit no one's ever told me so i'm like okay let's i'm gonna keep doing it i'm doing something right so <laughs> well and it's very possible that it's it's just taste because i mean like for me i got so the the way that i do my moon gels and i don't know i i might have taught you this but i cut them in half long way yeah so i get yeah. the two little rectangles rather than the, the bigger one yeah um and so like on my snare, I have one at three o'clock, one at nine o'clock and one at 12 o'clock. Damn. And, and I have a Remo ring. Oh my gosh. But it is, it is so like it focused good, huh? and fat yeah. and just, yeah. So it's, it just becomes like, it wouldn't work. It probably wouldn't work for what you use it for, but for what I use yeah. it for, it sounds it's perfect. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, that one's an aluminum snare. So yeah. Aluminum. I should get an aluminum snare. Yeah, I should do that. Um, Gretsch aluminum snares, they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I should do that. I uh, i also want to get an acrylic snare drum, but I'm afraid I'm going to break it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, I, I enjoy each one of these snare drums thoroughly. And they're just, inc they're all incredible. I'm happy I have them in my life. I'm glad you're satisfied with your purchases. That's as good. That's That's the best part. Or your inheritance. I know you, you kind of stumbled upon the, the first one, the, the Ludwig. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, yeah, I missed playing that one. Well, next time I'm in town, maybe I can stop by and I can see if I can fix it because I've become pretty handy with that kind of stuff. Please, because like, if I could play the snare drum again, I, I would be so happy. That would be incredible. Because, um, like I said, it's... I mean, you, you've, you've heard this thing live. It's insane. 
you used it as your primary snare for a while. Yeah, I took it. I took it on the road with me. It, this is the snare drum I had with me when I, you know, when, when me and when No Advisory went across the country. This is what I brought with me. You know, it's 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 a, uh, it's been with me through most of my drumming career, and like I've recorded on it. I've uh, toured with it, and I've just played a plethora of shows with this snare drum. So, I'll be happy to swing by next time I'm in town, and I'll help you out the best I can, at least. Yeah. But okay. And then one last question before we, we kind of weave our way out of here. But drumsticks, are you still using tree branches? Uh, no, <laughs> no, not, not anymore. Um, I went through a tree branch phrase recently where I was playing five Bs because, like, I wasn't getting enough bounce out of five As. And, uh, and I think it was just me having bad chops. And so I worked on my chops quite a bit. I mean, I have tree branch sticks. I have two Bs for when I'm playing on a on a practice pad, and I have, I have marching sticks as well for that. But uh, mm-hmm. I, when I'm playing on my kit, I I play Promark 5A wood tip. That has been the one drumstick that has never failed me. It it, it always feels amazing. And like I'll be like ah maybe that's what, I'll try this other drumstick. Like recently we we did a cover of um, uh, All Star by Smash Mouth. It's gonna be coming <laughs> out on our Spotify pretty soon. That's something you should look out for, listeners. Um, I I was like because Jordan works at Stage One, and I'm like hey Jordan, I need you to pick me up some drumsticks. And he's like Promark 5A, right? And I'm like no, get me Vicforth 5A. I'm gonna try them. And like they felt amazing. But halfway through, like, the second take, I had already almost broken them. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> and so I just I just always go back to Promark. It's, um, they're just way better. They're just the best stick on the market. Damn, bold claims. It is. It, it's, it's, it's fact, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's fact. Well, whatever you say, as long as you like them, again, I've said it before, but I, I don't want mean to sound like a broken record, but you know what? If As long as they work for you, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But Promark, if you're listening to this, uh, endorse me, please. I would love that. Your drumsticks <laughs> are the best. He can't get enough drumsticks. He blows through them too fast. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I've probably spent more on drumsticks than I have on my drum kit. Wow. Well, actually, you know what? Okay, over the years, yeah, that kind of makes sense, especially with how expensive drumsticks are now. They're like 12 bucks a pair minimum. Yeah, yeah. So, good Lord. Well, all right, dude. So we've kind of come full circle here. We've talked about your gear. We've talked about your, your various bands that you've been in and roughly how long you've been playing and uh, your uh, lovely story that I will remember for a long time about how you were so quick to be such a braggart about how you were <laughs> you were a drummer in fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that was a uh, yeah. That'll that'll be your staple from now on. I'll, I'll associate you with that, and I'll I promise I won't take the piss out of you too much, but I'll probably give you a little bit of a hard time every now and then about that. <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. It'll keep me in check. <laughs> <laughs> It'll keep that fifth grade ego in check. Yeah. Yeah, that shit's still around, man. <laughs> that fifth grade ego's still here. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. 
Well, that's okay. We can all look back on our pasts and be able to get a little bit of a laugh. And if we can't, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, that means you had a, I don't know, a boring past. I, I don't know. <laughs> do something cool now. That's all. That's it. <laughs> Just go out and do something cool. <laughs> that's what we can take away from this interview. Do something cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whether you're making music or, uh, I don't know, riding bikes. Do, do something cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, we'll we'll go ahead and wind this down. So thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. I would we haven't spoken in a long time, so it was I know. It I was know. awesome. I was glad I got to talk to you. I haven't been Yeah, me too, man. Let's see. God, it's I I stop in to see me whenever I'm in California, but I haven't lived in California it for about four years now, so it's uh, it's slim pickings in terms of the amount of times that I'm actually in town. But yeah, next time I'm in town, we'll I'll hit you up and we'll go get some food or something. Dude, yeah, let's do it. We'll talk drums and I'll show you my snare drum and please try and revive her. That'd be <laughs> super cool. Um, I did it once before. I don't know if you remember, so maybe I can do it again. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you, you did do it once because I broke the clutch. I, I legitimately shattered it and you replaced it. And I remember that. And I'm thankful for that. But now she needs your help again, Dr. Hansen. <laughs> she needs your help again. If the name Drum Doctor wasn't already taken, and I hope to God it isn't trademarked, but um, if the name <laughs> Drum Doctor wasn't already taken, I would totally take up that mantle. But uh, that that actual Drum Doctor is much more qualified than I am. That dude is insane. You ever see his warehouse? It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Uh <laughs> Anyways, cool. man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Dude, it was it was my pleasure. Thanks for joining me, dude. Yeah, absolutely. All right, take care. You too, man. And there you have it, folks. Episode four of The Fill. I hope you all have enjoyed the interviews that have made up the first four episodes of this podcast. Before you go, I have a little bit of an announcement involving the next episode. For episode 5, there will be a special guest host, as I will be the one in the hot seat answering a lot of the same questions I myself have asked so far with my guests, in an effort to create a, a type of get-to-know-your-host episode. The guest host, as well as the release date, will be announced at a later time, so keep your eyes on the podcast Instagram, which is at the fill with rob hansen with underscores between each word i hope you all are well and i look forward to giving you all a bit of a window into my own life in drums so far take care and thanks again for listening <laughs>